So I don't feel myself as a horse. Uh, I'm more of a human. Basically, my ideal workflow would be something that I wouldn't have to deal with. Again, because I'm not a real web developer, I still don't call myself a developer. So I say I'm a designer who knows how to code. When I start a new project, I like to look around. I like to ask people that I trust and I respect, like, what's good? What should I learn? The jump from knowing nothing about web and being able to write your own page, then like jump to actually know about hosting, know about servers, know about all of that. The jump is way bigger. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. So welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. Uh, on the line, we've got Rafa. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey, and uh, so I didn't say your last name because I've actually never said your last name out loud. Could you tell me how to say your last name? <laughs> so my last name in Portuguese is pronounced Conde. Okay. So <laughs> I guess you would read it as Conde. So when I tell people, I say, it's like Bond, but with a C, like James Bond, but with a C. You know, because that makes me look cool. Okay. So Well, you probably should start with that then. <laughs> So I had you on because you're actually my designer here at Netlify, and not only do you design, but you also do a bit of code. Do you just want to catch the listeners up with your background and what you do and what you've done up until now? Sure. So uh, I started studying in college. I, I studied computer science, actually. So that's where I started in this technology industry, I guess. I started as a coder, but I was a pretty mediocre student. I was not really into it, and then I got really into design. So I was a self-taught designer, and while still studying, I started learning design and then got a job as a designer and front-end developer. So because of my background, I was never able to decouple those two functions, mostly. So usually all kind of work that I did was with design and some, some development coupled. So before joining Netlify, I was working as an independent developer, so I, like I built my own games and apps. Just out of necessity, I guess. Necessity and kind of like interest in a way. Like, I didn't want to call anyone, ask anyone to join me. I was on my own and I wanted to do everything on my own. So, I still don't call myself a developer. So, I say I'm a designer who knows how to code because that seems like it would be unfair to actual real developer. <laughs> so, then I know, so the design details guy, they always joke about should designers know how to code? Would you consider yourself a, <laughs> a unicorn then since you can code as well as design? No, not really, because unicorns are like horses with a horn. So I don't see myself as a horse. Uh, I'm more of a human. So uh, no. But <laughs> if you want to call a designer who knows how to code a unicorn, sure. Okay, cool. So um, I'm going to have Eli change your business cards to unicorn. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Okay. So the podcast itself, Jamstack Radio, is all about uh, like JavaScript APIs and markup. And the focus is like the way to develop on the new web. And I know you have some experience with Jamstack. Mm-hmm. What's your ideal like workflow of how to get a prototype, a website, whatever you're trying to get? What would you use to get that up and running? So my ideal workflow, I guess it would look like, let me create an HTML page, like a file, HTML file, a CSS file, and put it somewhere, magic thing, and just works, right? Let me, let me work on my text editor, let me create my files, let me create anything I need to, and if I want to plug in some like I want to put in like Bootstrap or just some other tools, I can. But 
basically my ideal workflow would be something that I wouldn't have to deal with. Again, because I'm not a real web developer, I just want something like as easy as possible for me. Just write the code and write what I know how to write, basically. Yep. And before we actually hit record, too, um, you were talking about a little bit of Heroku and the trouble with that. So, what's your aversion to like actually hosting your own server and stuff like that? It's just because it's so much. I guess the the jump that we have to do from knowing nothing about web and being able to write your own. Like simple HTML, CSS, JavaScript page, then like jump to actually know about hosting, know about servers, know about all of that. Like the jump is way bigger than simply learn how to write some some front end simple web development, I guess. Because my mind wasn't like my heart wasn't in, into that. I was never really interested in doing it. I would do it if I had to, right? So Heroku is still way too complicated for me. Like from my Experience and knowledge on this. Yeah. So usually I have to have some actual web developers, backend developers, to kind of set that all up for me. And again, like at every every job or every uh, work that I do, I need okay, whoever is in charge of that, just give me <laughs> give me the HTML or the React app. Let me just write what I know how to write. That's basically why I never really got into it. Which is interesting too, because now you're I wouldn't say you're an expert in React, but you. You're doing some, I guess, coding sessions with another one of our front-end developers. You're learning mm-hmm. React. You're actually implementing some components in React now. Do you find that beneficial that you don't have to actually know what's actually happening, what how the app's actually getting on the internet, and what is actually compiling the site and stuff like that? Like, what's your opinion of that whole setup that we have going currently? I think it's important that I like I need to trust it, right? And even though I don't know all of the Things happening in the background, how it actually is working. I know enough to be able to, all right, you know what, this seems cool, this seems great. People that are knowledgeable in the field, they seem to like it, and I'm going to trust it. And so far as to writing React, which basically is JavaScript, as everyone knows, uh, coming from just writing simple you know, HTML and some SAS and some simple JavaScript, I feel like if you're trying to replicate exactly what you were doing with just HTML and CSS and trying to do it in React, there are no benefits really. Like if you're just trying to do exactly what you were doing before. Yeah. And because it's just an overlay of complexity, like so huge on top of it that you feel like, you know what, this is not worth it. It's only when you learn more about it, learn more about React, and you can see all of the, the benefits that it actually brings when you take advantage of that those benefits, that's when it makes it all worth it. Yeah. But before you hit that ceiling, before you hit that turning point, it just seems daunting, right? Yeah, and I think I I don't want to speak for you, but when I like approach a project, like I made that little Pokemon server go app, um, yeah. like I made that in maybe an hour or so after lunch, I was able to put that together and I was able to prototype it, and I have to think about like, ooh, am I going to use Webpack or Grunt or Gulp? Am I going to put this on Heroku or S3? Like I was able to get a site up and running and hosted very quickly. Without much thought put into it at all, like even even design thought as well. But I think there's a lot of value to be able to get prototype uh, an actual site and bootstrap something together really quickly, and being able to see it like live on the internet with the URL rather quickly. Yes, that's. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I agree with you. It's one of those things that, like coding in general, like especially in education, when you're trying to teach someone how to code, I think the visual, the instant feedback, that's like. Goal that's crucial for you like to engage students, engage someone, and it's something that we still don't see that often. Like it's still very 
obscure and you still don't know exactly what's going on, especially when you're learning. And it's interesting to see like Apple with the new uh, Swift playgrounds on, on the iPad. I don't know if you had a chance to to look at it. I, I haven't. It's on my long list of things to get to. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, basically it's like teaching code in a very uh, like visual way. You do have like instant feedback and it's like it's more like a game really. And that's not aimed for college students. It's aimed at children and you know young kids who had zero contact with with code before. And that's a way to, to kind of like they know how things work in a very still abstract way, but and that's like still true to me after Many years of experience. If I can have like some feedback, instant, it doesn't need to be instant, but some some quick feedback on what I'm writing, because code is like it looks like nothing, right? Code isn't anything until you see it, until it, it compiles into an actual product that you can use. The quickest way for you to get that feedback, I think, is crucial. So it's always like something that we should strive for. Yeah, and I think uh, the whole separation of concerns between like front end, back end, design, UI. I think is actually also important too, like completely just focused on the design. That way, you can actually focus and get something out and prototyped, and not have to worry about like, is this going to work? Like that should be my job as a developer to actually connect the back end to the front end for you. Like you design the mockup, design what it actually is going to look like, even like perfect it, mm-hmm. and then that way I can perfect the actual back end of the code. I'm actually doing a a talk uh, coming up in October. About making designers happy in React, and I think I've, I've showed you the whole abstract and the rundown of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the listener's sake, our workflow between you and me developing features, I've definitely never had the actual workflow that works as good as this. Like you're able to mock up in CSS and HTML like what you think it would look like, and I'm able to go and connect it. And you don't have to worry about like is this going to run on the server? Like is this too big of an image? Like all that stuff that you don't need to really worry about. Like to make design work really well, I can handle in perfection, and I can get that hosted pretty easily using the the whole Jamstack philosophy mm-hmm. um, by connecting the API and the markup together, which I, I love. This out of all the jobs I've had doing code, um, this is definitely the best workflow I've had um, so far. Yeah, it's been working great for us. And uh, what's it called? Like Storybooks? Yeah, the the like library UI components. That's great. Like for me as a designer and just like a front end developer, I. Can be pretty confident just mocking up like coding this this small component, this small UI element, and not be worried that I'm gonna mess with the whole app or I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna destroy anything. It's completely fine, and it's a good way just focus on the small element that you are focused on. Like uh, it's funny that you mentioned that talk. I'm <laughs> I'm also uh, working on this talk, which basically is like how being a developer makes me a better designer and. Because we're now doing our whole app using React and the whole notion of components, it changed the way I design. And it's something that we still, as designers, are long overdue. Because if we're doing like a mock-up, if we're using Sketch or Photoshop or whatever you use, if we're designing like a mock-up of a web page, we do this uh, 1440 by, by, I don't know, 1280 or something, this static mock-up that doesn't change. And that's not true. Like That's not how the web works. Not just because of responsive design and all, but the fact that right now I'm focusing on very small components. Like I designed the sidebar, I designed the, the navbar on top, I designed the cards, and all of them have the appropriate margins and all. And then when I actually have to just put a page together, I just pick all of those components and it's kind of like Lego, like Tetris. I just put them all in the right place. In. And it's also very true to, to the medium, to how 
is going to be in the final product. Yeah, I mean, I love this workflow. I'm really excited about it. It's funny because I just talked to one of our support engineers about a, a ticket that came through with Netlify, and they had mentioned that in PHP, um, because these people actually come from a, a WordPress background and now switching to the Jamstack uh, philosophy, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, in PHP, I could just do like server side includes, and I could like take a cookie from JavaScript on the front end, send it to my server, look at it on my server." And then if it's yes or no, like let's say um, it was for repeat viewing. So if someone's been to the site already, they would see a different site or different elements. Hmm. And so if they've been there again the, on the server, it actually said yes, this cookie has been here. Then go ahead and send that back to the front end, and then do something in CSS and HTML, which is like I don't come from that realm. So it, this seems insane <laughs> that someone would actually send the cookies that are built on the front end to an a- Apache server to be able to tell CSS on the front end like what. <laughs> What needs to be done, and uh, yeah, it's just mind-boggling that that's the way the web worked. Mm-hmm. And I understand like the, the process, like you want to make sure things are fast. Having servers loaded on in PHP is it's fast because it's all server-side rendering. But I think we've come along so far as far as Jamstack and like build tools and stuff like that uh, in JavaScript. It's like building an app in C. It's going to be fast, sure, but yeah, <laughs> do you want to deal with all the hassle? And I don't know. So your point to C as, as well too. Like there's trade-offs you can make. Like you can make that that whole question: Should I write this entire web app in C, or should I write it in JavaScript and like be done with it in like half a day? And I think the trade-offs are there too. Like sometimes we like to architect and um, make sure things are as fast as possible, which is great. But I think nowadays with JavaScript, things are already fast. Like we're already there. The web is like we've got like LTE speeds and stuff like that for the internet. I know not every country and not every mobile device is going to have that same sort of experience, but we can aim to provide that experience and have fallbacks if that's not there as well. I think it all comes down to how much do you care and how much time and willingness do you have. Like, if you want a cup of coffee, you can get your beans and grind them and. Boil the water to the right temperature and spend like 15 minutes brewing your cup of coffee, or you can just use like drip coffee. And both of them are valid options. It's just how much do you care about certain things, right? Yeah. Actually, coffee, I really do care. And I do brew, uh, I (laughs) ground my own beans and all. But like orange juice, I like orange juice. I don't care enough to buy my orange and, and squeeze the juice myself. I'll just buy some from the supermarket and just drink that, right? So it's like, it's not a good or bad option. It's just like how much willingness and how much do you care about it. So if you're building an app, if you really do care, like your top priority is speed and probably security, maybe you should write the whole thing in C or whatever. But I would say in this day and age, for the good or the bad, like those usually are not the right priority. Like it's a very fast-paced world and you do have to ship stuff and maybe the priorities change. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good analogy with the coffee and orange juice as well too. Like some people just don't care about certain things, which is fine. Like we've got instant coffee in our in office, mm-hmm. so some people enjoy that. But then we've also got like actual like Cyclas beans that are shipped over from uh, on the, the East Bay. If you care about your coffee, you'll you'll get the Cyclas coffee, and if you don't, you'll just use the instant coffee. No shade to our, our CEO <laughs> who likes the instant coffee. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Matt. <laughs> But uh, I just had a final question. So you've actually, since you're, your background is computer science, you've been coding for a bit. What's your state of like keeping up to date with like things that are JavaScript and React and frameworks and Webpack and Grunt? Like, do you keep up, or you just kind of just wait and see what the flow is um, for other people? 
it's kind of like both, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. It's like I'm not into it. Like I'm not always on top of what's new and on top of new technologies and what are the cool kids using. But when I, when I do need to start a new project or do something new, I'm not against. Like I, I, I just don't fall back to what I what I know. I when I start a new project, I like to look around. I like to ask people that I trust and I respect and like what's good. What should I Use what should I learn? So yeah, like I would say, most of these new technologies, <laughs> I'm not really sure what they're all about. <laughs> Even React, like React, uh, was something that it was on my radar. I've heard a lot about it because I was not at a time like actively working as a web developer. Like some of that stuff like passed me on the side. But when it was time to do like a redesign or rebuild or rewrite our own app. When we when we guys like we sat together and said okay what should we use what's what's the best option for us like what's new let's look at all the options and, and we're not afraid of trying new stuff right yeah but I don't I'm not gonna try something new just for the sake of being new because again like the, the coffee and oranges I don't care enough right cool. <laughs> that's awesome yeah I also avoided even as a developer I actually avoided React for a while just because I didn't have the time to really focus on learning this. I'm surprised React didn't actually take that much time to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's a built in a way that you could actually just by using it, you start learning it because all the abstractions aren't really hidden from you when you see like in other frameworks too. But I think that's a good approach too. Like if it's useful at that time, it might be a good time to learn it, especially if time is an issue. Mm-hmm. So the final part of this uh, podcast, and I have in the rundown, um, we have this thing called Jampix. Uh, it's like basically whatever you're jamming on. It's like food, entertainment, exciting thing. Could be a code thing, design thing. I'm gonna ask you the question, Rafa. What are you jamming on currently? So it can be like food, entertainment stuff. Yeah, anything, anything that you're excited about. <laughs> Let's see. Stranger Things is a great show on Netflix, but I'm not gonna pick that because everyone has watched it already. Yeah. Uh, lately, I've been really into vlogging in video as a medium. Like it, it's nothing new. Vlogging has been around since forever, I guess since. I don't know YouTube uh, has been a thing, but lately I was surprised by the the quality of the average YouTube videos out there from people just vlogging and filming themselves. Like the the production quality was so good, I got really into it. So I've been messing with it lately. Like I've been recording not daily, but almost a vlog, I guess. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, and uh, I am actually jamming on. I got a new cold brew. Kit. Ooh. It's not even a kit. It's actually a pitcher. I got it actually from Japan, which is weird because I didn't know that was the case. I got it on Amazon Prime. And uh, yeah, it's a pitcher where you grind the beans and you have a filter that sits inside the pitcher. It's called Hario, H A R I O. And yeah, you grind the beans, set it on the counter for about half a day to 20 hours, like whatever you feel like is a good optimal peak time for your cold brew to be brewed. And it's the best cold brew I have ever had. Like I've been making cold brew for a couple years now, and I used to use mason jars and cheesecloth, and it was really messy and not as ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like the cleanest way of making cold brew. It's also the best cold brew I've had so far. It's amazing. And I, I try to put a little bit of vanilla syrup in there, and then that's all I use: vanilla syrup and ice. That's cool. It's you have amazing. to send me a link. Uh, I mean, I know the brand. I know Hario. They like my kettle is Hario and, and Scale and. A V60, they're from Hario. Okay. But I haven't seen that. So, yeah, send me a link. I want to wanna check that out. Yeah, I happened to go to a friend's house who had cold brew already made in this like pitcher. And I was like, oh, what is this? Like, 
I need to know. <laughs> and I got home that night and ordered it on Amazon Prime. And yeah, it's it's great. It's just weird that all the instructions came in Japanese. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so like I couldn't like read the instructions and like know how what their measurements. So I had to Google it. So I found the American instructions. But yeah, it's about a, a thousand milliliters, which I think you should be familiar with their metric system, uh-huh. and uh, about eighty grams of beans, ground beans, and that's all I need. All right, cool, all right, cool, awesome. Well, Rafa, thanks again for coming on, and uh, I really appreciate the the chat. Oh, thanks for having me, Brian. And uh, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 